Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. If you got your Bibles this morning, uh, turn to the book of Genesis chapter 2. We're starting a new series for the next few weeks called Naked and Unashamed. We're going to use Valentine's Day to talk about all kinds of different relationships and uh, marriage and dating and all kinds of of, uh, different things, sexuality, gender, that whole Uh, the whole thing. So this morning I'm going to preach on Naked Truths about marriage. Now just uh, to start it off, uh, if you're young, single, one day you hope to be married, this can be a a good thing that you can start taking some notes and putting some things in your heart uh, to prepare you, you know, for that day. Uh, If you're older, you know, maybe you've been married, you know, 40, 50 years and you go, that doesn't apply a lot of that we already know. Well, maybe that's true, but please understand, uh, I'm not doing this necessarily for you. I'm doing this for a younger generation that has grown up with a different cultural viewpoint of what marriage is. And from time to time, I have to go back and replant the markers of Scripture when it comes to love and sex and marriage and all the cultural challenges that go with that. So I'm not necessarily doing you may not necessarily walk away with anything new but there are younger people here that I need to remind them what God says about those uh, about those certain things so I'll be at Genesis chapter 2 in just in just a moment but I want to start with a question this morning I want to start with a question what would marriage uh, what if what if marriage as we know it did not exist okay what would society look like uh, there's no marriage, no thought of marriage. It's never, never been, you know, like, like long-term committed to one person, monogamous. That's just not in our thinking. You know, what would society look like if over the course of your adult life, man, you found maybe four, five, six people that you loved, lived with, had children with, and when it didn't seem kind of fun or mutually beneficial anymore, you just kind of, you know, you went single, then you found somebody else, and you kind of moved in three, four, five years, and, you know, and you, and you moved out, like, like, what would society look like in the absence of marriage as we know it, okay? You just kind of move on from person to person, have kids, and once you decide you want to kind of leave, then you work out the child support, and and you just move on to your next, you know, your next uh, single season or your next married season. What what would that look like? Well, I want to tell you something. I think, you know, because a lot of people go that marriage is just an outdated institution now anyway. We don't really need it. It doesn't really have a function, and I just disagree with that. I think if you did away with marriage 
there would be social chaos. Okay, there would the 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 nation and the 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 the, uh, the the social stability that we know now would not you know it would not be there. And I just think there's an intentional attack when it comes to uh, marriage and family, which is part of the reason why I want to dress address this over the next uh, couple of weeks. So marriage in Genesis two that we'll read about started as sacred. And the government saw that and pulled it and said, we'll make it civil. You know, it's a civil act now, but when we pull it, you know, kind of from the church, then we'll kind of redefine, you know, what it is and we'll set, you know, we'll set new, uh, we'll set new parameters, you know. And we have all kinds of societal problems now and we're trying to put money and programs, and, and more education, drug education, all of that. But I think there's a simple answer to that, is we need more stable homes and families. I think you can look at statistics where there are solid families in community. There is greater prosperity, education. It's not perfect, okay? And I also think you can look statistically at places where the, the family has disintegrated, and you will see more crime and drug use. I'm just saying to you this morning that, that this creation, God had to, to, be, to connect with God as well. But there's a purpose in society that it serves a social foundation and it's, it, it brings stability to the society and to the culture. All right? It brings structure and order. And that's why we want to talk about this over the next few weeks. Okay, so I want to read uh, Genesis 2, the very beginning, because you can't do a whole lot with Genesis without starting here. But I just want to, there's some things that I want to pull out of this passage this morning. It says, now the Lord had formed out of the ground, excuse me, verse 18. The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out all of the out of the ground, all the wild animals, the birds in the sky. He brought them to man to see uh, what he would name them. And whatever man uh, call, whatever man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds in the sky. So all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God had made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, unprompted, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and, and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. And Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame, which is where we got the title for this message. So not only does this passage you know, uh, give information about relationship, but it shows God's design for humanity and gender and sexuality, but it does it with a wonderful blend of, of poetry and literary beauty. So this new Genesis 2 living arrangement is called marriage, and we're going to work through a lot of that over the course of the next few weeks. But just a quick snapshot 
in this Genesis 2 arrangement is love for God. Marriage is always intended to have a third person, and that's God in it. Uh, It also uh, uh, speaks about love for each other, connection to each other. There is companionship and shared life experiences as well. And it is the foundation for family to be born into. So, we see this wonderful wedding. We see this wonderful wedding in chapter 2. And then in chapter 3, you see the story of the serpent appear And the great challenges to marriage appeared as well that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about this morning. So I want to just give you just just four or five foundational things this morning. When I think about, you know, when I think about marriage and it's Valentine's Day. So I really just tried to really this morning, you know, restrict it to married couples. And I will broaden that over the course of the next couple of weeks. But let me just give you some, to me, just some foundational things uh, concerning marriage. Number one is expectations. Expectations. People, when they go into marriage, they have all kinds of different, you know, expectations. And it doesn't real doesn't take very long to realize that even in faith-based godly marriages, that there are challenges, you know, that may arise. Okay. Now we wonder sometimes, you know, like I, I, we have all kinds of different expectations, you know, like the man may go, man, I hope she knows my Enneagram type. All right. Anybody done the Enneagram test? Right. I hope he, I hope she knows my Enneagram type and she may go, well, I hope he knows my love language. I hope he knows that. All right. Those are, those are wonderful things, but I want to tell you, I think you need to start a little more practical. Like, what kind of pizza are we going to order in this household? Because I'm just telling you, from the man, we love the deep dish meat lovers, all right? And then the women, they want to order the veggie pizza thin crust. We got a problem already. Your Enneagram, your love language. You better work on the thermostat, all right? How many marriages, how many fighting, how many, how many fights have been because of the thermostat? I just want to tell you, young single men, your future wife is always going to be cold, okay? Something's just wrong with their blood, and they need a healing, a gender healing, okay? Because they are always cold, It doesn't matter if you go to the beach in July. I promise you in her suitcase, she's going to have a sweater somewhere in there. All right? You look around your house, and they've got blankets everywhere. Now, they try to disguise it as decor. You know, they put it on the back of a chair, the back of a couch. They've got it hidden in different drawers and chests. But I promise you, there's not a place in your house that that she is five feet away from a blanket. She's always cold. What's my love language? You got something else. What side of the bed are you going to sleep on in perpetuity? When you get home from the honeymoon, you need to put your suitcase down, run to the bed, and jump on the side you want to sleep on, and claim it forever. I'm preaching good this morning. Yeah, what's my Enneagram? What's my love language? I can't sleep on the right-hand side of the bed. Throws me off. The left-hand guy, and I claimed mine after two weeks. 
Marriage perceptions. Marriage perceptions. They can be formed by Hallmark movies. All right? The Hallmark movies. And The Bachelor. Okay? We see those things. Have you noticed in both of those that they always have 0% body fat on those people? All right? All right? So we look at, we look at movies and music and, and culture, and sometimes we have this expectation, this false expectation that's set up that's not rooted in any reality. So marriage expectations are set way high, or, you know, uh, or we have unhealthy marriage relationships that we have witnessed. So we've come out of a home maybe where there's multiple divorces and lots of fighting and uh, no priority, you know, on, 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 the, on the, the relationship and there's lots of intense verbal exchanges. And now we've set a low bar. We've set another bar that this is what marriage is. And, you know, hey, if you don't like it, you just kind of walk away from it. So we all go into this relationship with varying Varying perceptions, okay, that aren't rooted in re- any, any reality, all right? I just want to tell you something. You know, it started in, in Genesis 2 that we read was this glorious wedding in which God presided. And then in Genesis 3, we see spiritual problems arise that you have to deal with. Man, they were, they were concerned about provision, what is going to happen. They started having children that was fighting. One child killed another, and then they had a child in later life. All right, so you go through your, you know, with all your expectations, and then you come to the cold reality of, of, of marriage, you know, the, the, the true picture of marriages. And sometimes they fail only because sometimes the expectations were so high going in, there was no, there was no form of reality that would ever meet the expectations. So they always feel like, man, there's something wrong with my marriage. It's not necessarily. It's just we had, we had these expectations. You think life is fairy tale weddings and white picket fence and candlelight dinners, romantic evenings by the fireplace, fireplace and weekend trips to the beach. I would love that, all right? But in reality, you know what it is? You're going to the store to get milk. You got bills and financial obligations that keep you from the white picket fence, the candlelight dinners, and the weekend trips, all right? Diapers and children and laundry. Marriage is seasons of crying babies, taking out the trash, unpaid bills, conflict, unemployment, dirty dishes, mowing the lawn, homework, soccer practice, school projects, I'm too tired, I have a headache, dirty house, busted water pump, and a leaky faucet. All right? So I'm not saying that to discourage you this morning. Even though I was kind of discouraging, all right? I'm just saying... That's more normal and real than what you're going to see on the Hallmark Channel, okay? All right, so it's Tuesday night. You're at the dinner table with your spouse, and you're eating SpaghettiOs warmed up in the microwave on a paper plate. I want to tell you, you don't have a troubled marriage. You just have a normal marriage.
okay? So sometimes our expectations really throw off what real life looks at. So I want to just remind you, man, solid expectations when you walk in can keep a lot of headache and heartache away, all right? Because there's these myths. Everything will get better. Once we get married, everything will get better. It'll get better, you know? And that may be true, but maybe not necessarily at first. There may be a time that you go through a difficult, you know, a difficult time to you kind of learn how to handle some of these things. Another myth, everything bad will disappear. Well, you know, because love conquers all, right? We're in love. We are in love, you know? But that's not necessarily the case that everything bad will disappear because sometimes once you get married, more bad appears. You now have the proximity and the vantage point maybe to see things that you did not always see. My spouse, another myth, my spouse will make me whole. All of my emotional, physical, and financial needs can be met once we get married. And this is a very unhealthy you know, a very unhealthy, unrealistic quality to marriage. So sometimes we enter with those kind of, with that kind of thinking in our mind, and it doesn't lend itself, you know, to healthy relationships. Healthy relationships later on. So let's let's have balanced perceptions. You want to get married? You're thinking about it. You know, talk to talk to a couple that's been married for a while. All right, they'll. They'll tell you the balance of that. Listen, there are wonderful times, all right? There are candlelit dinners. There are weekend trips to the beach. There are wonderful experiences that you have. But it's just not always every day, you know? So just, just keep your expectations in balance. The next thing, shared life experiences. Shared life experiences. We grow together through shared life experiences. It is how we fell in love, and it will keep us in love and our relationship growing, okay? So we're always kind of active sometimes, you know, until we get married, and then that kind of changes for whatever, you know, for whatever reason. So I text my parents last night. I hope they're not watching. Uh, and I just said, hey, what are you doing on Valentine's weekend? And my mother said, We've watched Lawrence Welk, and now we're watching Bill Gaither, okay? And for some of you, now I'm going to give them a pass because they're in later 70s, all right? But for some of you, for some of you, you know, all of the fun, all of the activities, the shared life experiences have stopped, and now our marriages are, are decaying in front of our television, all right? Because marriage is about shared life experiences. Get out of the house, have some fun. Have some fun with other couples. Invest some time and invest some money back into your marriage. That was a pattern that you did before you got married that brought you close, that made you want to marry that individual. And don't change that once you, you know, once you get married. All right? Romance. Don't forget romance in love. I know that it changes over the, the course of time. I understand that. But... As married couples, we can't lose romantic love. We can't, we can't lose affection and holding hands and, and, and doing things together. So love each other. That's what the, the, the New Testament says. It says, husbands, love your wives. Love your wives. Make that expressive. Let her know that you love her. Touch her. 
Hold hands. Give unexpected kisses in front of your children. They will love that. They'll love that. All right? Give gifts. It's Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Day. All right? Now, some of you may be going, boy, I've already messed up. All right? We have some communion supplies and some uh, Christian literature out front. We'll help you any way that we can. You can just say, hey, God laid this on my heart for us to really have a God Valentine this year. All right? So if you've blown it this year, that's fine. You know, there's always next year. And women, I have a suggestion. I have a suggestion for you, and they're going to put the picture up here on the screen. Okay? All right. Now, women, I want to say something. And I think I'm speaking on behalf of all men. If you get us this, you will never have to give us another Valentine's ever again. All throughout eternity, we're good. We're good. Do romantic things. Buy each other gifts. Have fun. Date. Have fun shared experiences. Do things together. Okay? Do things do things together. What do you enjoy doing together? Then do it. Now, I people go, but I need, I need some private time. That's fine. That's fine. Ladies like to do things with ladies. Men like to do things with men. That's fine. But at some point, we got to do some things together because that's what breathes life back into the marriage. So you can, you can do some things separately, but your entire social life does not be separate, and it's not healthy if it is. There needs to be times that you come together for romance and fun because it is life built, life, uh, life uh, breeds life into your relationship. And let me say something too. It's not always about money. We don't have any money. It's not always about that. Sometimes an ice cream and walking around Lake Ella is a, is a wonderful time together, okay? Sometimes just, just doing something, just taking a drive you know, taking a drive to the beach. I want to say this to you. It's not always about money, but there comes a point where you need to invest something back in your marriage as well, okay? There needs to be a time that if you guys don't have the money at some point that we go, you know what? We're going to set a financial goal because we want to do this later on because your, your marriage is worth the investment of money back into it. And I want to just say something to you. There's going to be a day that you'll spend money on your marriage, okay? It can be budgeting and taking trips out of town and things like that, or you can give it to the divorce lawyer and pay for the divorce, all right? And I promise you, that's going to be much more expensive than investing yourself in doing some things together. So it's not always about money, but there are times that you need to, to spend some money to invest back into your relationship, okay? Can I tell you, like, one of my... Uh, Valentine fails with Becky. We were dating, and I was, I wanted to take her to a nice dinner, and I, so there was this bed and breakfast out of town. It was about an hour away, and uh, so we'd have a nice drive. You kind of dress up a little bit. The restaurant, you know, is well known, and so we, we go, we sit down, and they hand the menu, and I didn't know, I didn't know, but it, they only had one menu. It was the Valentine menu, and it was a fixed menu. $36 a person plus tax and gratuity, okay? Now, that's well over 20 years ago, number one. 
And I was a youth pastor, number two. So I looked on the back side of the menu for the cheeseburger and the, uh, you know, the jalapeno poppers because I'm just going to go cheap. No, that was it. That was the menu. That was the menu. And let me tell you, I just started feeling sweat. I just started because I just wasn't sure that I had it. You know, so we have this time. I'm enjoying my new girlfriend. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you when it's time to pay. And you take your, you take your debit card as a statement of faith before God in His provision. And you just hand it to Him. And you, that, is, that is the greatest statement of faith that you can have. And the whole time you're just watching the lady. You're acting like you're having fun. But you're watching in case she shakes her head no. And I just want to tell you, God is the God of the little oil and the barrel. And He will provide for you. Let me say that. I have never been so glad to get that ticket back. <laughs> oh, Lord. The next one, communication. Communication, shared life experiences, expectation, communication. Communication is a key to marriage. It is about sharing and reflecting on our individual experiences, kind of what we've done through the day with each other, okay? And it usually starts, how many of you, when you come home, how was your day? How was your day? And what do we say? Fine. And we move on. Now, you might unpack it a little later in the day, but that's just... It's what it is. It's about sharing and reflecting on our individual experiences. So most of the time we've been apart throughout the day and we just kind of come back and, and we share. That's communication. It is about understanding that as we navigate life's challenges, we'll walk through them together. And when we have disagreements, we already have an established pattern of communication. See, if you're already talking, if you've already kind of got this relationship where you talk to each other, then when problems arise, one advantage that you will have is, is that you are already, you already communicate. So when there's disagreements about parenting, what should we do, you know, about our, about our children or money, what should we spend or not spend, or sex and sexuality, or uh, dis, uh, schools, job, church, God, other relational issues. If you've already got this habit and pattern of being able to sit down and talk to each other, you are much further down the road than other people who just don't, who don't communicate well. Four styles of miscommunication. Four styles of miscommunication. Number one, dismissive. You know, so like when you, you kind of get, you know, you kind of get uh, into it over something or you have a disagreement, dismissive. All right. Whatever. Whatever. Whatever you want. Just do whatever you want. You're going to do it anyway. So just do it. Doesn't matter to me. Just do whatever. Okay. It's just dismissive. Okay. And sometimes it can be a little insulting. Too. So we're dismissive or we're blaming. You always do this. You have always done this. Your mother has always done this. It's been genetics in your family and, and it's just blame. Always pointing the finger. Okay? All right? That may be some truth to what you're saying, but that communication style does not lend itself to reconciliation. Okay? You're pushing the blame. Uh, change the subject. Change the subject. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Avoiding eye contact, walk out of the room, get in the car, drive away, avoiding direct, you know, uh, answers to this. So we're just, you know, we're just going to change the subject. We're just going to avoid, we're just going to avoid it. And I want to just say, 
That's not good, and it's not healthy, and it's not biblical either, all right? Ephesians 4 says, speaking the truth in love. So it means to me, I don't always have to avoid the issue, but there are times that we talk and we discuss it, but I do it in the context of love. I don't do it explosively, you know, so this, this passage deals with content, speaking the truth, and it deals with emotion in love, okay? So we, we, we want to deny our problems. We want to put them off or avoid conflict, and sometimes we do it because of our Christian faith. Well, I'm just going to forgive. I'm going to turn the other cheek, and that's fine. But let me just say, there comes a point that you don't need to turn the cheek anymore. You need to confront the problem, okay? There just comes that, that time that there's, there are things that need to be dealt with, all right? So listen, let me just remind you, what we ignore today will blow up tomorrow. You think you're doing something godly, all right? So I'm just going to avoid it. But in actuality, this thing is festering and growing in its intensity and its bitterness, and it is not healthy at that point for you just to keep, you know, just, just, just to keep trying to uh, uh, forget about it and not deal with it, okay? So changing the subject is, is not, you know, is not, is not good, all right? Uh, escalating, another, another miscommunication style, escalating words and tone, escalating words and tone, because once the um, problem of the emotion hits, and man, we've raised, the, you know, the, our volume, we, we've become more intense in our adjectives. Once that happens, very rarely will you find a resolution to the problem once people get mad. You're just, you're just being angry, okay? I mean, and once you begin a full-blown verbal fight, you've stopped communicating, and there'll be no resolution to the problem. And can I just say this to you, just as a friend? If there are times that you feel like things are getting a little more explosive, and you feel, you know, the temperature and the tone is, is getting heated, can I just say, whatever you do, don't do that in front of your children, okay? If you need to fight, if you need to raise your voice, I'm telling you, there is something that is unsettling in the heart of a child, not only when they hear people that they love disagree, but when they hear them angry with each other. It is unsettling. So if you need to go out in the backyard, then go to the backyard, okay? But let's, 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 don't, do that in front of our, let's don't do that in front of our children. Proverbs 12 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword. So... Once we start, we don't know where the breaks are. Name-calling, profanity, half-truth, sarcasm, belittling, blaming, and your words are cutting very deeply, you know? So sometimes we are very free with going back and going, I'm sorry, you know, but at some point there's been a lot of damage that has been done that just an I'm sorry is going to take a long time to, you know, to... To bring healing to. First Peter says, don't repay evil with evil or insult for insult. Okay, so when we find ourselves in that pattern, if somebody is doing that, we just back off. I mean, we, we back off. You know, the, the fight is not going to resolve anything. So, I watch what I say. 
content. I watch how I say it, emotion. I watch how loud I say it, volume. I watch how long I say it. There's a point where it just needs to end. It does not need to go on for hours and hours. There's a point that you say what you say, put the period on it, and if you need to separate in other rooms, you just do it. But just continually letting it go uh, is not going to be helpful. I want to say, I just want to talk to men, men for a second when it comes to communication. All right. So Les Parrott says that ladies excel linguistically and men are more contemplative. Okay. So we kind of know that. Ladies are more verbal. Men are more, you know, kind of kind of think things through. And sometimes, and I just think that's just a, you know, maybe just some general kind of uh, uh, natural kind of qualities that we have. But I, I want to say to men, I want to say to men, I want to encourage you that when it comes to our wives, we need to be more open and transparent. Okay. Uh, it's how relationships grow with transparency, vulnerability, and availability. Okay. And it's not fair for you to go your whole life going, I'm just a man, I don't do that. Okay. It's, it's not fair to your wife to wall off your emotions, you know, and not ever, not ever listen to her or have conversation or even share your own concerns. It's not fair to her that over the course of your life that you become emotionally unavailable because, because uh, verbally you're not necessarily comfortable, okay? So I'm just saying if that's you, that's just something that we need, you know, that's just something that we need to work on. And I promise you, it would make your wife very happy. You know, like at dinner, if you just said, hey, after dinner, can we just have a few moments for me to share my feelings? She'd faint, okay? She would just faint, you know? So let me just say, because men, we secretly think ladies want to have that conversation, but in the process, you want us to cry as well. Well, that'd be great, wouldn't he? I'm just, I just got some things in my heart I just want to share with you tonight. Your wife would be so happy, all right? So I just want to say to men, I just want to, I just want to say as a friend to go, you know what, I'm just not verbal. I'm just not open with my emotions. So my whole marriage, I'm just going to wall it off. I'm not really going to talk. We'll do some activities together, but as far as me opening my heart, I'm just, I just want to challenge you there because it's transparency and, and vulnerability and, and availability that will help that marriage to grow. So I just want to encourage, encourage you with that. Uh, offenses and reconciliation, another naked truth. We have to learn how to handle problems and disappointments, okay? We don't have to fight about it, but we learn how to handle it. And the Bible gives us a certain pattern, okay? So, Things happen. Things happen. We get feelings hurt. We, we do things. It's just part of marriage. Can I just say that too? It's just part of marriage. Even faith-based marriages have, have issues, and, and the Lord knew that, so he put some things in here so that we would heal and reconcile. Matthew 18 says, if your brother or sister sins, go point out their fault just between the two of you. So if you're hurt, if you're offended over something, you just kind of can't put it away. Proverbs says it's a glory to cover a matter. 
So it's not every on everything, but there are some times that we're hurt and there are some things that we don't feel like we can process and get over. It's that time to go to your spouse and go, hey, listen, you know what? I need to, I, I just need to talk with you for a few moments. I just need to maybe just share my heart with you for a few moments, okay? That, it's called reconciliation. And I want to say this to the spouse. If your spouse comes to you with that concern and wants to have that conversation with you, you need to listen. Don't blow it off. Okay? Your spouse comes to you, hey, there's just some things I just need to talk about. We need to pray about. Okay? You don't be defensive. Well, you don't know what it's like living with you. Listen, that's not a pathway to reconciliation there. Let me just say that. All right? So if they come to you, you owe them. You owe them the opportunity with a clear mind and an open heart to heal. Because if you don't, it's just going to get more, it's just going to get bitter. We let it, we let it continue, you know, when, when the Bible says, let's deal with it. So there's reconciliation, there's going to them, all right? There's forgive and forgiveness. E- Ephesians, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Christ just as in Christ, God forgave you. So then there comes a component that, that we forgive. We let it go, okay? If it hurt, we forgive that offense, and it can heal. It will never heal as long as the offense is still there. But once you walk through that reconciliation, then there's a point that you heal or it gets worse. So I want to say that, all right? Let's forgive. Let's show grace. Or... If the spouse has come to you and you realize either intentionally or inadvertently you have hurt them, then you clearly need to say to them, I am sorry, please forgive me. Okay? I'm sorry. That's that's the answer. That's the only answer that will start healing and reconciliation. Once they say something to you, and man, you realize maybe there's some truth to it, or there was some misunderstanding, clearly, unequivocally, without qualifications, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And I want to tell you, it's in that moment, the long process of forgiveness and marital restoration can begin. Sometimes it can happen quickly, sometimes it happens, you know, over a period of time, but I'm telling you, it will never happen until forgiveness is given and forgiveness is granted. I want to say something else too. Seek counsel for other, from others. If you're having a marriage, if you're having a marriage issue, it's 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 not a uh, you know it doesn't look bad on you to seek out counsel. Start with a couple that you know and that you would feel comfortable going to. If you want to do something like that, if you want to keep it out of the church or away from me, go to a couple that you have confidence in. Let them pray for you. Kind of open your heart. You can you can do that. You know, or or. You know, go, go to the church. Go to the church. You know, just, you know, sometimes in the church, listen to me. We're, we're embarrassed if we have marriage, marriage problems. We're embarrassed. So we kind of hide it longer than normally we would because we don't want to admit to anybody in the church that we, you know, that we've got a marriage problem. And I just want to say to you this morning, you know, it is no discredit to you if there's a marriage issue, okay? I want to say to everyone, This is a safe place. And if people are struggling with their marriage and they need extra prayer and attention, then that is fine. We are a house of healing and a hospital. We don't point at people because they're having difficult seasons in their life. And I don't want you to feel that way. 
that we got to hide it from the church. If your first call is to the lawyer and not to the pastor, then you've played that wrong. Okay? All right? So you got a marriage problem? Talk to God about it. Here's a time to pray. Here's a time to pray. Let God speak to you. Talk to each other about it. It's time that you guys kind of talk back and forth. Seek help from another couple. Seek help from a pastor. You know, seek help from a counselor. I mean, whatever you got to do, you know, whatever you got to do, seek, you know, seek help. And the last part of, of the Naked Truths this morning is God, faith, and church. God, faith, and church. Genesis 2, you know, was the great wedding. Genesis 3, the serpent comes and all of the issues unfold after that. I want to just say, maybe you're here this morning, you're watching me online, and, and you're married, and, you, and you're not a Christian, or you've drifted, or you've drifted away, you know, I want to just talk to you for a moment, because sometimes we look at what we see in the homes and the marriages of other people, and we would like, we would like that same thing, but to many of the people that you may be looking at, they, you know, they, they have accepted the Lord. It is hard to have a Christ-centered home without having a Christ-centered heart, all right? And sometimes the only barometer we go by is that if we have a healthy marriage is if we're not fighting. Like, okay, well then, no, but that's not necessarily, you know, having a healthy relationship. I, wanna, I just want to remind you this morning that a part of what we saw in Genesis 2 was God, male, and female, okay? There is a triangle, okay? And it starts, that faith-based home starts with, with a heart that, that is committed over to the Lord, all right? And some of our deepest interpersonal needs are not met by a spouse. They are met by a Savior. Sometimes we are pushing off spiritual needs we have to, to our spouse, and it's absolutely impossible for them to meet those needs that only God can meet in your life. So you got this marriage issue, you got this internal issue, but really what you need is not necessarily a counselor. You need a Savior in your life. You need a Savior, all right? Or maybe you're a believer, you're believers, and maybe you haven't, you know, made faith a priority in your home. You know, we go to church, but really kind of living out the, the New Testament, what Jesus says, we really, you know, we really haven't done that. We haven't made faith or church a priority, you know. But we've got the plaque that says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, all right? Everybody's got that plaque. I mean, if you think that's the only... You know, the only way that you have a godly home, you're going to miss something there, okay? So I'm just saying to you that if you're both kind of believers, but you've never really made your personal faith or church or a faith community a part, you're missing something because in that whole component of marriage, there is a place for God in it, and it will always be missing until you allow that, you know, allow that place to be filled. What appears to be intuitive is true. Couples who regularly practice any combination of serious religious behaviors and attitudes, attend church nearly every week, read their Bibles and spiritual materials uh, regularly, pray privately together, 
and together and generally take faith seriously, living not as perfect disciples, but as serious disciples, enjoy significantly lower divorce rates than mere church members, general public, and unbelievers. There's a, there's a practical benefit when you make Jesus Lord of your heart and you make him Lord of your home. Okay, It's going to help you. Worship team, you guys can come. So develop spiritual habits together. Go to church together. Go to church together. If you miss a Sunday, it's okay. But make it a priority. Hey, we're going to go to church, especially if you've got kids. Get those kids in church. They need to hear about the, the love of their heavenly father. Develop spiritual habits as a couple. Go to church together. Pray, read the Bible or devotional book. Do something. Do something. Pray at the meal. You know, do something where, where, your, where your home is reflected of faith, not just on Sunday. Attend a small group. And we got a great marriage small group that's going on right now that's speaking life. There's other small groups that you can get into, but you need that faith connection, but you need that social connection also of people of like, of like faith and participate in ministry together. Find you a ministry outlet. Do something together. Shared life experiences, okay, just doesn't have to be big, easy snowballs. It can be street hope. It can be serving with our kids as well. And that, that way you're combining faith, but you're also combining you're, you're combining shared activities. And I want to say, too, that when Christ is in your heart and Christ is in your home, when stormy time comes, which they will, I don't care how spiritual, spiritual you are, there's going to be inevitable bumps in the road in your marriage. Okay? But when you're both anchored to Jesus, there's a stability that comes from the storm. When you're both praying and you're both reaching out to him and you're both submitting yourself to God, there is an anchor that comes to marriage through my personal faith in Jesus and my commitment to my home being a Christ-centered home. And then when those winds come, when those winds come and those storms come, I'm telling you, there is an anchor that whatever happens, you can make it through it. You can make it through it. Okay? If you're in a marriage right now, and maybe you're like the only one that cares. You know, you're the only one that cares. You're trying to heal, and the other person's non-existent. First of all, I just want to pat you on the back, okay? I just want to thank you for your commitment to the Lord, your commitment to marriage. I just want to encourage you. I, that, that is a really, really difficult thing, okay? That is a, that's a tough thing, but I just want to encourage you. Don't give up, okay? Don't give up, all right? Because he's a God of miracles. He's a God of miracles. First of all, he's a God of miracles, okay? Second of all, watch a Hallmark movie because they always get back together. Let it provide a little faith, all right? I'm just kidding. But if you feel like you're the only one, your marriage is kind of, you don't have a partner in the reconciliation, then I'm, I'm praying for you, okay? I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm, I, just, I just want you to know that. Well, I want to I, I just pray this morning, and I want to just pray over our married couples today, online or, or here. And I, I just, uh, in a moment, I'm going to do some prayer, but I, I just want to make sure if you're here today, 
Man, maybe you've drifted in your faith. Maybe you've never accepted the Lord. Maybe you're, you know, maybe you've never really made a priority out of, you know, your faith and your home. It's just always kind of been secondary. You know, here's a moment. They're going to put a prayer on the screen. And here's a moment that you can recenter your marriage in a moment under prayer, just a belief that you can that you can recenter your marriage and start with the right foundation. Okay? Start with the right foundation, and that's with Jesus. That's with Jesus. And there's a prayer on the screen that I just I want to lead. And may you can read it, you can pray it, you however you want to deal with that. But if that's you, maybe you've drifted, maybe you've never given your heart over to the Lord. I want to encourage you to do that today. Maybe as a couple, you've never really made faith a priority. Here's a good prayer for you to kind of start and recenter your home back on the right foundation. And I just want to pray this prayer over you. It says, Lord Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. And I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and life. And I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a quick prayer, but man, it's a powerful prayer. And after service, if you're online, you can say, hey, Hey, I prayed that prayer. I'm going to be down here at the front. If I can talk with you as an individual or couple, I would be glad. I'd be glad to do that. Okay. Now I just want to pray. I want to pray over our, our, our married couples and families. Maybe your spouse is not here this morning. Maybe uh, they're, they're not home. Uh, but if you're close by, would you just take their hand and let me just pray. just want to pray over you guys this morning. I just want to pray God's blessing. So, Lord... Um, The Bible is not just a book about salvation, but Lord, the Bible is a book about love, companionship, marriage, family. And Lord, I just pray today, I just pray over every married couple that is here, I just pray the hand of God's grace and the hand of God's blessing. Lord, upon them, those that have just been married a few years, those that have been married a long time. Lord, I pray. I just pray over them today. God, I pray. I pray they'll be renewed in their faith. I pray, God, there's a new commitment to making sure our home reflects our personal faith. Lord, I pray. Uh, I pray for those who are going through an e- a season of fighting and arguing. And Lord, uh, maybe there's a talk of divorce or separation and or, or, or serious trouble. Lord, I just pray. I pray for reconciliation. Lord, I pray for grace. Lord, that would be your will that somehow, some way, Lord, there could be healing and restoration that can come through that marriage. So, Lord, I pray for every married couple today. Lord, I pray because our marriage and our home can be a witness to others as well. Let us be that witness of Christ-centered, New Testament believing marriage. Let it be a witness to a world that has a contrary message about marriage. So Lord, I pray, I pray today, God, that you would bring health and wholeness. Lord, those that have been married a long time, Lord, we we thank you. Lord, we pray that you would give grace 
to that marriage, Lord. And I just pray, God, on this day that we're mindful of relationships, and Lord, throughout, Lord, you've got a plan and a purpose for us, Lord. For those that have kids, Lord, we pray over our kids. We pray over our grandkids today that you've graced us with. Lord, we thank you that you have blessed our generation. Lord, that you've prospered us, Lord, with employment. And Lord, we look back upon our marriage and our home. And Lord, we just say thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.